0: What's up, guys? Welcome to The Huddle. It's a weekly discussion about how to maintain forward progress in your flooring career. Today, we're going to be talking about employee versus subcontractor, what's best for you. Uh, quick introduction. My name is Paul Stewart. I'm the founder and CEO of Go Carrera and president of Stewart Associates, flooring company located in Wichita, Kansas. Got Daniel and I got Jose with me from Preferred Flooring. What's up, guys?
1: Hey, what's up?
0: How's the day? Busy as always. Nice. Flooring, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, flooring and life. You gotta find balance.
0: Yep. Well, hey, I wanted to open the discussion with um kind of discussing our individual uh experiences with the two different kind of aspects of flooring uh, you know, the employee and the subcontractor, uh, what's your guys' experience with that, um, kind of set a baseline here between three of us on, you know, what, what your guys' past entails, what your experience is there, and, and I'll share mine.
2: Okay, um, I'll go ahead and start, you know, when, when I started in the industry, I was, uh, definitely under 1099, um, I, I didn't really, really know any different so so that was where I started uh, and did transition over to uh, W2 employee at some point and you know they they both have their place they both have their benefit they both have their drawbacks um, does it matter to me which one I'm categorized under now that I'm a little bit older it does to some extent because you know my my future is My future feels to me better off uh, categorizing myself as an employee versus a contractor because items are taken care of for me and there's a lot less work on the back end for me to take care of uh, on a personal level um, uh, with the government insurance and retirement and all that. So it just, it makes life a little bit easier um, when everything's kind of grouped together. So um, preferably I would say that I, I like where i'm at uh, as an employee of, of our own business uh, at, at the moment yes
0: yeah we'll get into that a little bit but i mean there's certainly other options uh if you are a sub and you own your own business to be still an employee of that business and yeah. you know, that company pay you as a employee so we can get into some of that too what about you daniel
1: you started off as an employee didn't you i no i i'll, I'll the wrong kind of employee the 1099 employee and that's where this i don't even think it's just the flooring industry i think it's just construction in general tends to think that that's okay and and that's that's you know something that people need to know that it's not the right way to do things especially when you are calling them an employee and they aren't exactly working for themselves so i started as um what they would call a 1099 employee, right? Even though that's not really a thing, an employee is an employee. But for for a few years, I was on a 1099. And it wasn't until uh, I went to go do my taxes. And it's like, what? I owe money? Like, how is this even possible? Like, and that's when you kind of realize, oh, I've been paid wrong this entire time. And what, what do you do from there? Yeah, a lot of guys have gotten stuck right. from and that, that
0: deal. And I think Let, that, let's let's take a minute to like clearly define the difference because yeah, I think that's funny. part of it, right? I mean, Daniel and Jose, both of you guys, sound like you got started as ten ninety nine thinking you were an employee, right. so to speak. But so to define the difference, an employee is paid a in my there's my opinion and then there's the legal uh, version. Uh, you can pay an employee by the piece as long as they make a certain dollar figure. And some of these things change state by state, some of the rules but in general, uh, they have to make a minimum they have to make at least minimum wage even if you're paying them by the piece if you're going to uh, treat them as an employee. Now if you're going to do it that way, you still need to, Take out taxes, uh, you know. Take care of their payroll taxes. Take care of their income taxes. The whole works. You still have to encompass all that. Uh, The most traditional way, and what in our opinion is the best way to hire an employee, is hire them by the hour. uh, Pay their, you know, have them set up. They get work. They have workman's comp insurance under your company. Uh, They, you know, they are paid overtime when they work over 40 hours. And again, that's another thing that changes state by state. Some of the some states it's if you work over eight hours in a day, so it kind of depends. But the bottom line is they're paid by the hour. They have the same benefits, uh, say, vacation time, uh, holiday pay, those kinds of things that maybe the office staff has Uh, at our flooring company. Our hourly um, installers have the same exact benefits as our vice president. Uh, same health insurance provided by the company, same, same benefits with uh, uh, vacation time and, and holiday pay, that entire thing. So that's my opinion of what really having an hourly employee is. And then subcontractor is the 1099 guy that has to cover his own insurance taxes those kinds of things and i think where some people get caught in this web is they're hired by the as an hourly pay structure but pay but tax wise are treated as a 1099 uh, independent contractor and so you you go working for 15 bucks an hour and at the end of the year you learn that you owe $5,000 in taxes, because the employer that was saying you were an employee, and treating you as an employee a lot of times, which is even worse, meaning they, you got to be there at 7am, you don't leave till 430, whatever those time constraints are, which, uh, you know, we get into compliance a lot. When you start talking about those things, because you cannot have control over that uh, subcontractor, if you're paying them as a 1099 and you're not covering them anywhere, you're not taking care of their unemployment insurance there. You're not covering their
2: the employee their, their,
0: the employee stuff. Then, um, you know, they're really not an employee, but at the end of the day, the, the pain mm-hmm. that that causes to a lot of installers who get started there and they get behind on taxes. And then before you know it, uh, taxes are a big item in their life, a, a big stress point. So that's, that's kind of my, uh, what's your guys's opinion? Is that pretty accurate
1: from a, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. And then you run into the guys that, you know, they don't know no better. And then once they do find out that, Oh man, I'm going to, owe, they just are like, I'm just not even going to file. And they, they try to go years and years without doing it. And then it's not until some of these guys actually are like, man, now I want to buy a house, but I can't because of the situation I put myself in or the situation that my employer has put me in by doing things wrong. Well, I seem to remember us
0: sitting on the porch out in the country, talking to a certain installer that I won't name, but I mean, those types of things was the topic of conversation, and everybody sitting there had had something similar that had happened. You know, they got behind on taxes. Half the time, they didn't even know they owed taxes. I know people on this call uh, have been in the same position where they got behind on taxes, and, you know, it was a, a, a major stressor in their life. Well, the I key... did
2: 100%. You know, and I did it to myself. Um, and, and I'll be transparent, I'll be honest. Uh, You know, first off, I started out uh, 1099, not educated, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm making cash. I'm getting paid. You know, this is, you know, under under the table type thing. He's just reporting it because he had to show the money went somewhere. Um, And then once I found out about what I had to owe, um, I was like, woo! let me just kind of dodge and duck as long as I can to try to avoid it, thinking it was going to go away. But now it didn't um and it, it got to the point when i did finally become a w-2 employee um <clears throat> i didn't want to raise any red flags so i didn't even do my taxes when i was going to receive a refund and all that did was put me even more in the hole for penalties and uh and interests uh and you know and all that so it's, there, there's, there was a trickle effect
3: how did
0: uh, you deal with that i mean that had to be major stress
2: you know um when when i i finally met uh my wife i i had to make a decision right like if i was going to build a life and and i was going to purchase a home and try to uh to raise a family um i didn't want anything to be taken away because it wasn't her fault and it wouldn't be my kid's fault it was my my lack of knowledge that put me in that situation my lack of uh Educating myself, you know, my pride, right? Not asking the right people the right questions, even though I kind of already knew I should. I just kind of avoided it, and um, <laughs> I called the IRS. Hey, this is my name. I think I owe you some money.
0: Okay, you yeah, like, are officially the first installer I've ever met. That called the IRS <laughs> I did. as
2: Daniel, dude. <laughs> ask Daniel, like, I, you know, I just I didn't want it to come back and bite me in, in the rear end after I started doing things, what I felt was the right way, you know, and I just didn't want it to bite anybody else either. Yeah, no, I mean, kudos
0: to you for doing it. I'm just saying that it just keeps going generally. And you're, you're talking the same, you're telling the same story that I've heard for a long, for last several years that we've been traveling uh, across the United States, going to different shows, meeting with installers all over the nation it's a very similar problem. Like they didn't know any better. They were, they, the guidance they got was not good. They were young. They got into flooring. They were getting, you know, 15 or $20 an hour in cash. It, the money felt right. Uh, it felt good. But at the end of the day, they didn't realize, you know, 20% of that, uh, is going to uncle Sam and they didn't plan on it. No, but Uh, I definitely did not just them knowing that, that like, you know, there are options like the there's two different ways of doing things. Now the vast majority of flooring is subcontracted and we, I get that. And, and go career supports that. That's what it was built for. But we encourage uh, like employment in the true term of employee installer to me uh, helps the industry to allow that, that individual to develop. Now, that, that's not going to change the industry. I mean, there's plenty of people that believe that, you know, employee installers are better, that that's a better path for them. Unfortunately, you're never going to squash or get rid of entrepreneurship. Like we're Thank entrepreneurs, man. I mean, you, that, I, you know, I was, a when I started, I was, uh, I started off as an hourly employee in the flooring business. Um, I made eight bucks an hour to sweep floors and pick up trash and that kind of stuff, you know, I stayed there for about four years. And even at the end of those four years, being mentored and, and going through uh, being under some really good installers after that four years, uh, that company was getting ready to get bought out. So I went and started my own company and I started subbing. Um, I, I have seen every aspect of the business and I believe that the decision between being a hourly employee or a subcontractor really boils down to your risk um, appetite for risk and your ability to execute on uh, bookkeeping. I mean, it's pretty simple stuff, but it is important if you're going to be a sub. uh, You know, we we grew our company very quickly and um, Uh, you know, started to become a full service flooring company a few years later because I paid myself as an employee. I paid myself 600 bucks a week as a sub. It didn't matter how much I made from installing that went into the company. I took a $600 a week salary and I did that for five years and that allowed the company to grow and us to be able to put back money and then start uh, full service supplying materials and such. But that that is not the path for everybody and you just have to be honest with yourself in my opinion right like yeah some some people are just better at being employees and that's good that's fine we need the we need a good quality employee installers in this business as well
2: yeah we definitely uh Definitely need to bring to the forefront the uh, the implications that someone could put themselves in to help them decide what side of that line they want to be on, right? Um, because it can only it can only help uh, the construction industry as a whole, not just flooring, but everyone in um, knowing well,
0: to have an informed decision like that. Yeah. At least give them the information. So if anybody's watching this, that. You're, you're a flooring subcontractor and you're behind on taxes and you're like, we feel your pain. I think that everybody's <laughs> sitting here has been in some version of that at some point in our careers. The, the, the only way I think uh, Jose brought up my, the, this isn't tax advice, but this is just <laughs> life advice. Go take care of it. Look what Jose did. He, he went forward and said, hey, I owe this money. I think I owe you this money anyway. I have no idea. Can you help me? And you know, attack the problem and go ahead and and um, you know, because it'll come back and and bite you in the in the latter part yeah. of your life when you want to buy a house or a car or whatever. Um, but back to the point, you you guys have hourly and subcontractors at your company now, correct? Correct. Yeah, we and don't
2: you discriminate. You,
0: how do you choose between that? Because I know that over our uh, business um, life, there's probably eight or 10 of our subs that were hourly employees. And we actually helped them get into business because we're not going to, as we figure, we know what we've trained them to do as an hourly. And I'm not going to stop them from chasing their dream. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm going to help them. Uh, and I want to continue to have them as a good resource for installation for my company. So um, how do you guys look at this? How do you determine, do you, do you have a a determination on who should be a sub and who should be an hourly, or is it all based on that guy or or
1: girl? uh, Historically, like it's all based on the person because we've had people as employees that have been like, you know what, this isn't really for me. I'm going to start my own thing. And it's like, Awesome. If you need anything, let us know. I mean, um, our ride on machines we've had, you know, people use, if they don't have a tool here and there, it's like, here you go. And it's like, you're not, they're not even doing work for us, but we're still helping them out because that's just no one ever really left on bad terms. Right. And it's like, they always came to us like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. It's, I'm not, I can't keep you here, man. If you're not happy, you need to go do something that's going to make you happy. And, and, um, and then, you know, a few years later, we have them in here and doing a job here and a job there. And it, it just goes like that. But, um, right now, what we do is most of our stuff is in-house and then, um, a lot of the residential we're starting to subcontract because coming from a commercial background, we're just not as efficient in that aspect. So if we can offload that and that gives our guys um, room to focus on what they're good at, which is the commercial jobs.
2: Yeah, and we're not, we're not efficient at it. It's not because the lack of knowledge on our part, it's because our, our focus has always been commercial and that's what our, our employees are trained on. It was the commercial aspect. So when yeah. we squeeze in some residential here and there, it is more of a training process through the project versus a let's go get it done type of process. Well, um, they
0: run different. There's no doubt about it. From a project uh, management standpoint, the jobs run different. Uh, let me ask you another question. What is the, the biggest factor uh, that you see as why, Somebody wants to be a subcontractor versus be an employee.
2: Hmm. So, what, uh, what
0: what what's what's motivating the guys you talked about to to want to yeah to leave a good company with with I the feel like security of the hourly installer life?
1: What 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 do you think? I, the big- I think you like you said that's pretty broad because we've had guys that have left because they feel like they just need to do things their way you know exact words I need to do things my way okay have at it and uh, and then we have guys that will see a dollar figure and be like well if you're making this much and I'm only making this much that means that I need to go do my own thing but those are also the guys that once they start doing their own thing it's like one week they're Spending, 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 and then the next, you know, few weeks after that, it's, you know, because of social media, you see everything. It's posts about them being broke and stuff. So they they really have no. They don't
2: have an idea of what it takes and what it entails to um, gather the tools, the insurance, uh, the contacts, and and try to have everything you need at at your fingertips because it's. When you're out there and you buy it and, and you've been in business for a little bit and you've had some time to collect everything to make the installs go easier, and you're an employee and you have everything you need to do a job from start to finish, no matter what it is, it's a lot different than going out on your own and all you have is knee pads and a pouch. It's totally different. You know, no van, no, so so some of the guys
0: So how do you start? So that's the key right there, in my opinion, like if you don't have the assets, the tools, the the vehicle, the, 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 let's call it just the starter kit to be a sub. I mean, you got to have a vehicle that's meant to do this, you know, a van or an enclosed truck or something like that. You got to have a work vehicle and the proper tools to perform your trade. If you don't have the basics, then that should probably tell you to stay on as an employee for a while and build those, mm-hmm. those um, build that stuff up, buy your own tools and buy your own thing. Yeah. And then you can go, you know, uh, out on your own later. I think that one of the, one of the things I've um, recognized over the years is guys just want to um like if they said, we want to do it, my I want to do things my way. From a technical standpoint, from a flooring tech, you know, installation technique standpoint, that's not allowed. Like you're still going to have to do it the right way. We're mm-hmm. going to make sure. Now, if you're talking about, you don't want to get up at six and be at the office by seven and pick up your own materials and then go to the job site, like more of our hourlies do, um, I get that. Like if you want to be your own sub and but there, there really needs to be almost this like starter kit, the checkbox. Do I have this? Do I have that? Do I have this? Mm-hmm. Do I have that? Or prior to going and being a subcontractor. And if you don't, if you can't check all those boxes, you probably should stay as an employee. That's just, you know, my two cents on it. But uh,
3: just, just, uh, hey, guys, this is saying, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, What's hey up, everybody?
2: Hussein. Hey, Hussein. How you doing, brother?
3: Uh, I'm doing good. Just wanted to add to that topic, you know, um, so for me, when I started, yes, I got the van, you know, I got the tools, the basic tools to go ahead and start. And as the job required additional stuff, you know, you go ahead and invest, whether you rent it or you want to purchase it, that's kind of up to you. But what I also started doing, because when I realized, look, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to grow my business while doing the installation, and I'm going to find people to do the work, and I have people working for me, I gave them, like I say, look, I'm going to pay you guys like a subcontractor. You are allowed to use my tools. You are allowed to take my van until you guys get up to the certain point, you know, and that's what I start doing. They drove to my location to pick up my van and use my tools, and then they start you know, slowly building their own tools, you know, with their pocket knives and uh, floor scrapers and stuff like that. But, you know, I still had the demo machine to provide just to help them get going because, you know, we were kind of helping each other. So that was one way I guess you could kind of start if you have another business partner that could provide you or support you with what you don't have.
0: Yeah, the only thing I see there, uh, Hussein, and you can probably like, chime in here is the liability of somebody that's not an employee of your company driving your vehicle transporting materials from one place to the other and those types of deals can put you at undue risk so you know having them as an employee until they get there mitigates your risk at least from a standpoint of personal risk because your insurance company would want you to have them as an employee if they're going to be driving your vehicle so that's just my two cents on that
3: is if you're going to, you, you know, have to add them to your insurance. Yes. right yeah. yeah. So, um, what, what else do
0: you see, uh, Daniel and Jose on like, what are some of the, the biggest pros and cons? Um, you know, everybody would say money for sub cause you can make significant, Money as a subcontractor, but you got to start checking off these boxes like taxes, insurance, and things like that.
1: that, That's a pro and a con, I think, because you look at the money that you make, but not a lot of people talk about the expenses that come with the amount of money you're making either. And like you said, you started, you know, you were paying yourself a salary of 600. We started off paying ourselves half of what you were paying. And this this went on for a couple of years, and it's like, was it hard? Absolutely. And would I do it again? Probably. Um, but it's it's a matter of seeing that end goal and actually knowing what you want. It's a uh, you definitely spend a lot of there. There's a lot of expenses that go into running a business that a lot of people don't see. And that, that's something that um, a lot of the organas- organizations that are out right now don't even talk about, which is, I understand why they don't, but it's frustrating that they don't because they you set someone up for failure if you don't if you're not open and honest about stuff like that. And expenses are crazy. even, well, that's why we're talking.
0: I mean, yeah. the, that's why we're having this conversation. Is at the at the end of the day here, there there's a ton of expenses. If I could give a sub any guidance whatsoever, is don't treat your business because if you're a subcontractor, go open up a LLC or get a true business uh, entity. Consult again. I want to make sure you consult with an attorney and and, and an accountant. Yeah but this is my opinion. Um, open up an actual company structure. It's pretty cheap to open up a, a quick LLC and then pay yourself as an employee, put the money back so that, uh, as you're paying yourself as an employee, you'll be taking out taxes of what you pay every week. And yeah. it helps your dependency at the end of the year or your, your, um, your, com- your commitment to the IRS at the end of the year, if you're getting money taken out weekly as an employee. So uh, that's the first trick. So you've been be paying your, you, every week you p- get paid, you're paying into the IRS until you're, and you're legal that way. At the end of the year, if you didn't pay enough, you'll still owe, but at least you've paid some throughout the year. Through your uh, weekly payroll to yourself, so I would encourage every sub to set themselves up as a company, pay yourself as an employee, and don't treat your company as a piggy bank. It's right. not just something that you made five thousand dollars this week and you spend five thousand dollars. And that's that's where that's where you get the guys. And I know we've, you guys got a story about Facebook. I'd like for you to kind of chime in on, but that's where you get these stories of guys being so far behind on their taxes or they're broke all the time. And it's, Mm -hmm. if you spend every dime you make and you don't put that money to work for you later, and this is a bit of just business and investment, like the, the, the standard best practices, I don't care what industry you're in, put 10% back for savings, put 10% back to, to, uh, for a rainy day and put 30% back for taxes. Now, if you can do that, if you do the math, and that still makes sense. Okay, but those are just these baseline figures that you should be figuring. If you think you're going to make $1,000 in a week, take 100, put it aside for your savings, 100 for a rainy day, right? 300 for um, taxes and, 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 uh, commitments for there. And then what do you have left after you've taken 500 out is a $500. So if that's still attractive and you can make that work for you by all means, but too many times the story, like you guys, uh, were talking about the other, um, in another conversation we had is, I mean, once you share that with us, I mean, that's kind of.
2: the conversation going on on the West Michigan page,
1: right? Did you talk to him about it already?
2: Yes, a little bit ago, yeah. Give have a little bit of information on that. Sorry, I'm just – he was gone when uh, we had the uh, conversation, so I apologize. Yeah, no
1: worries. Uh, I mean, just kind of so, overview of – Yeah, so, so on Facebook – but... on Facebook, you know, someone posts on there that they're looking for someone at a certain dollar amount, and then guys say that that they weren't bashing, but, I mean, i it, it's all – written right so maybe I read it wrong but they're like well I pay this much for I, I won't pay anyone less than this much or I start my guys out at this much and it's like none of that matters if you're not paying your guys correctly and they're gonna end up having to pay their own self-employment tax anyways because if you think about it in the big scheme of things they're complaining at you know, just throwing figures out there, if someone's paying someone $16 an hour and you're like, well, I pay my guys $19 an hour, but you're paying them on a 1099. So that's not a true $19 an hour. Because if you, if you really break down how much an employee costs at, I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, but I'm, I, I think the, our cost at uh, $16 an hour, somewhere around $22 an hour is mm-hmm. our
0: all, all in the
1: yeah their yeah. burden is somewhere average around six bucks an hour yeah so
2: depending on uh, retirement and investment mm-hmm. on the well yeah and all that. yeah
1: and then yeah that's not even including like the the health care and all that yet so it is it, it it starts getting up there because you you don't think you know you A lot of these guys are going out there and working and they're, you know, on a 1099 and they're not covered by comp. So if anything happens on the job site, it's like, what happens then? Yeah. You're not protected. Cut your
0: fingers off.
2: Yeah.
0: And you're not, if, if you're 1099, you don't and you don't have your own insurance, your own work comp insurance, um,
1: yeah, it's all that. that In my like, opinion, I, I think deal. that's
0: something that would be nice if the industry would change—not our industry, but the insurance industry. I think a ten ninety nine guy should have to have work comp. I right. mean, yeah. to me, that would take a lot of these—the guys that are playing as a company, uh, almost. You know, they're not—they don't act like a company, but they install and they're ten ninety nine. Right. It would—it would take those guys out of it and the only reason I say this is for safety I mean and at the end of the day these are things guys don't think about or things that the installers aren't considering when they're talking about going out on their own Um, so I'm hoping that a discussion an open discussion can kind of push the you know how do at the end of the day how are we going to move forward progress with both employee installers and subcontractors. And I think it's just really, truly understanding the difference between the two. So you don't get the wool pulled over your eyes when you go talk to some retailer. That's like, yeah, "Yeah, man, I'll, you, you can come work here and I'll pay you $18 an hour. And they're like, and then at the end of the year, it's your story, right? Because that's the tax bill.
1: That's what they kind of compare things to is you can go work at McDonald's and make that amount of money, but they're, they're not taking into, you know, consideration that McDonald's is paying them on a W2 and then you get your whole benefits package. And if you really just, just the simple stuff, like paying overtime, like on a 1099, these guys are working straight time, 100% of the time. And a, a lot of it is, you know, these guys that are like, I work 60, 70 hours a week and I'm doing fine well you're working 60 70 hours a week at you know 15 an hour that's no. that's not fair for you I'm guilty
0: well what you you brought up another good point I mean what about unemployment insurance so that you know who's paying into unemployment for a 10.99 nobody my dad was a painter uh, subcontractor as well I mean and he never paid into unemployment insurance ever and at the end you know or S- Social Security, uh, you know, he needs supplemented because he only has like throughout his entire life. He's only uh, he only contributed enough where he makes three or four hundred bucks a month from mm-hmm. Social Security because he was a, he was an independent, didn't pay himself as an as a as an employee right. so that you could start paying into that. Right. I've been employed then- since I was 22, but I've been paying into my My unemployment, my own unemployment insurance, my own, um, you know, um, uh, social security, all of that has been paid since I since
1: I started the company. Right, and when you're an independent, you really don't think about insurance because those plans aren't necessarily offered. You know, if if you're out on your own, unless you're doing like a traditional or a Roth IRA, and a lot of guys don't even know what's out there for them to contribute to. Yeah, and those are investments, but just
0: regular insurance, even. I mean, I'm talking about paying if you are just taking in 1099 money and paying your income taxes, but you're not paying into unemployment. Right. So, you know, a portion of every one of our employees, we have to match their unemployment so that if they get laid off or, or, you know, whatever happens, a recession or whatever happens in the world, that if they're laid off there, they have you know, the company has money in escrow with the state to pay employees for the time that they're unemployed, right? If they, if they um, become unemployed, those things don't happen, let alone social security. I'm not sure it'll be there by the time we all get there or not, but you know, my, my dad never paid in and that's why he has such a small amount that comes into his, you know, into him every year. So, you know, those are everything I think like we need to think about as installers when we're getting ready to go out on our own. I was lucky enough to have somebody tell me, just pay yourself as an employee and you don't just, you're not the bank. You don't get a thousand dollars from your install that week. And that's your money. You pay yourself a, a salary or a by the hour, whatever you make goes into your company. That's your company's money. And just, you know, I think, having some of this knowledge that we've been talking about on this call con- on this conversation can help a guy understand the real uh commitment that it takes to do what you guys have done what i've done is literally running your subcontract
3: business like a business,
0: and business. what a that means And uh, well, i have a question
3: so so You know, those are great points, right? But if you started the business from scratch and, you know, you you are paying yourself, like I am not saying whatever you make, you spend. But I kept most of the money in the company, if you can, right? (laughs) If you are the only person working and you have to feed your family, it's a different story. Luckily, my wife works, you know, I can kind of take a lot more risk and I don't have to take some salary to myself. But if you were to take some salary to yourself, you know, you gotta make sure that salary is not gonna bring your net income to, for your business to like negative, right? You wanna keep that some income in there uh, so that you could basically, what you're talking about, reinvest in the company. So so throughout the years, you know, you start building this, I guess, almost like um, a reserve, right? Now you, you are able to pay and, you know, pay your bills and pay your guys. It's going to take you to get there a few years. But once you get there, you have a much better cash flow that you are able to wait for receiving your payments, your invoice, but you're also able to pay. I hope nobody goes out there and whatever they get and they go spend every week. That's crazy.
2: And, and then, uh, Hussein, Well, I
0: think a lot of that happens. Uh, um, frankly, oh, wow. I know I know a lot of that happens, and I would also say that you do have to start. Uh, when we talk, uh, when I'm talking about um, paying yourself a salary, you you have to. Part of this is what are your goals? If you are just going to own your job forever, make the salary big enough that I mean, like if you're just going to install with your cousin as your helper, and you guys are going to run a really good subcontract business, but that's all you ever want it to be. You never want to hire more people. You just want to have one helper along with you the entire time. I would still say, pay yourself a salary, whatever that dollar figure is, because it just helps with you staying up on your taxes and pay and unemployment. I mean, for goodness sakes, if the economy took a downturn, you're a sub, and you've been paying into unemployment for forever, you can be unemployed too. So
2: it generates you, consistency too. So if you like, uh I'll go back to the the, the loan type deal. You're going to go try to buy a house or a car or something like that. You have consistency, right? Because they don't want to see one year you made, you know, fifty grand. The next year you made eighty grand, and then the third year you made thirty grand. They don't want to see that. They want to see some kind of consistency. They don't want to see fluctuation in, in annual uh, income either. And um, and also to piggyback off what Hussein said, he's right. You, you gotta keep money back into it. When when uh, when we started, it was DBA and we started as a DBA and then uh, uh, rolled into an LLC and then classified ourselves as employees, right? And that's one thing people don't understand. Uh, we've said it a couple of times that you pay yourself as an employee uh, under LLC, there are a lot more benefits to that than you think there are. DBA, man, we put ourselves in not so good positions doing it that route, but...
0: Yeah, you're in a lot of... You put yourself in a lot of risk, right? In the yeah. middle of a lot of risk.
2: Risk in the finances, but once once the LLC was formed and we restructured pretty much, the, the, the transition was a little hard at first, but the long-term benefits outweigh the short-term uh, discomfort of not seeing those dollars and cents right away. Um, like, yeah, like, I, I,
0: I, I would say that, that, that the, um, you get, I mean, again, get with your accountants, but you have write-offs yeah. and things that happen when you form a company and it can help offset some of those costs like your fuel costs and all these things that are, are business expenses now And don't just come right out of your pocket. So I don't think that, Hey, if you, if you know how to run a company or you, you've taken this information and you're listening to it and you think I can do this, I can be a sub, I can run then great. Just, I mean, follow some of the, you know, underlying, you know, foundational principles we've talked about, but if you're not employee may be the best route for you. And that could be an employee with a really good subcontractor. I mean, I know a lot of guys that have 20, 30, 40, 50 employees, up even hundreds that are our labor houses, but they, they pay their guys as employees. Um, and there's some that do it wrong as well. But that's what this is for to try to inform you to make sure you ask the right questions from an employer. If you're a new installer, you know, say you've been doing, working for somebody for a, a, a small subcontractor for eight years. And now you're going to, um, you know, go out on your own and, and be a sub. As long as you understand the parameters, great. On the other side of that, when you go, if you wanted to go work for somebody again, don't get duped into being paid like Daniel was talking as a 1099 guy and then tell you you're an employee, you know, demand the right things. If you're going to be an employee, I guess is what I'm getting at there. So,
1: right. And there, there's not one isn't right and one isn't wrong, right? Because you can pick and choose which one you want. But as an employer, there is a right and wrong way to pay an employee. And then, um, you, you yourself as the employee have to actually figure out, all right, I'm ready to go out on my own. But never be scared to ask people questions because business is, it can it can get pretty confusing. There's a lot that goes into it. So Definitely reach out to someone. You don't want to put yourself in the position to where now you want to buy a house and you still can't, even though you're running your own thing.
0: Yeah, don't get caught off guard twenty years from now. I mean, we've talked about some of the very fa- foundational pieces today. If you follow those, you're going to be in a heck of a lot better position than you know. I know some of us were. Uh, so, um, in closing here, keep this thing right close to forty-five minutes every week. We've talked about the pros and cons. Um, you know, this this next week, you know, we're gonna be talking about maybe you are a sub mm, image. What is the image you're portraying? You know, image isn't everything, but it's close. It so is. how are you portraying yourself? That's on next week's episode of the huddle. Um, I want to thank Daniel and Jose and uh, any um, couple other people that that uh, chimed in, and appreciate all the information and and good conversation, guys. You got anything to say in closing here?
1: No, you go first. No, just I've I already said it. Don't don't be scared to reach out to someone that's already been through what you're going to go through because it's only going to help you out in the long run.
2: Yeah, um, and I just want to add, like a. Uh, I'm a little bit old school, right? And, and Daniel had brought to the forefront a, a while ago for us that there were organizations out there that are geared around the installer and helping educate. And people, whether they believe it or not, the subcontractors or employees believe it or not, everyone started somewhere. And the, the majority of everyone who is in a leadership role or position in the flooring industry, a lot of them started where we did. And, you know, they, they have a lot of information that they're willing to share. It's not a secret. It's not anything they're trying to hide. So try to find an organization that fits uh, your model. Um, do some research. Make some phone calls. Um, and don't be shy, man. Set pride aside. Sometimes you know you're you got to put put yourself and your family first, and just set pride aside to ask questions that you might be embarrassed to ask, or you might not even know you have a question until somebody brings something up. Um, yeah. You know and. and well,
0: I, think, I, I think that uh, the that is the maybe the best advice you can have have given is ask questions. We're going to be sharing on this show uh, plenty of times different organizations you can get in touch with. Join this. Join the, the call. We're, we're on every week on every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central and send your questions in if you have any questions We'll do our best to answer them or we're going to have some really great guests in the future that that are going to be tied around, uh, you know, taxes and all this stuff we're talking about. But all this is built around how to build your career, whether you're an employee or a sub and set yourself up for the best success possible. So with that, I'm going to close this call. I want to thank the guys again. I really appreciate it. And um, I guess we'll see you guys next week.
1: All right. right. See ya.